Hello and welcome to 100% Real with Ruby. Today I have Brandon DeCruz on again and I am so excited for this. He even offered <laughs> that if this topic does not get condensed into a short 15 minute window that we will do a series of them because this topic is so freaking important and we were just speaking off air about how people want that after physique. They look at me or Brandon, they look at others on the net that are doing the thing. They have this hard body and they think they can just diet their way there. And especially when you're starting out, you think you can achieve this in six months. I hear it all the time. I've been doing this for six months, yet I'm not seeing the results that I want to see. And it's like, well, if you're just starting out or even if you're coming back off a layoff, six months is still not enough to build the required muscle mass to get the physique that you want. And that's exactly what we're talking about today because the most common dietary habits, many people spin their wheels over constantly trying to diet, but they struggle to not only maintain a deficit, but to see the results they want. The only way they measure their progress is by I'm getting leaner, I'm shrinking, I'm seeing the scale going down. Can we talk about why this is so detrimental? Absolutely. So first and foremost, Ruby, I just want to uh, thank you for having me on again. Uh, we did a two-part series a couple years ago, which you actually just re-released. And uh, I'm really glad we're able to connect later on down the road in terms of both our careers. And I've seen your podcast blow up. So this is a uh, you know, big kudos to you. But uh, I think this is a really important topic. And this is something I've been coaching at this point in 11 years. And it's something that I've frequently encountered. And it's not something. It's something that's still relevant, just as relevant today in 2024 as it was in 2013 when I first started coaching. So I think Many individuals think losing weight and, and seeing the scale go down is like the main metric of progress. So what they end up doing is they focus so heavily on seeing the scale go down and on becoming a lighter, smaller version of themselves. When in reality, the physique, and you were alluding to this, like the physique these individuals desire require a substantial amount more muscle than they even realize. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but it's a lack of awareness and a lack of, um, really reasonable expectations around what the physique that they want or that they see someone else having, what it really requires. And so really what it comes down to is they should be focusing on becoming a more muscular, leaner version of themselves rather than a smaller and lighter version of themselves. And really what I, I find many have is this fixation on weight loss. And often this can be a double-edged sword because it can drive certain people. However, it also causes these individuals, especially females, to take extreme approaches to dieting, which leave them underfueled physically and restricted mentally. Yet often they'll finish a diet and still not like what they see in the mirror because with each consecutive diet, they're becoming a smaller, skinnier version of themselves, but they don't have enough muscle to truly attain the physiques they want. And they also feel terrible in the process. And that's another thing that a lot of people kind of brush under the rug. You see your Instagram model that's, you know, living lean for the gram. And it's like, they're not telling you the poor vial feedback that they have. They're not showing you the blood work where they have down-regulated hormones. They're not really showing you the full side of the equation. But if you really do follow like natural bodybuilders, you'll see that. And you'll also, you should see the correlation between the fact that these are the people that have the best physiques in the world. They get the leanest out of everyone. However, they don't stay there. And what a lot of people want to do is because they want to attain a lean physique, but they want to maintain it and far leaner than they actually should. And so what I really like to do is first have reasonable conversations with clients, set realistic expectations. But I also really like to shift 
you know, focus on shifting the clients I work with into an abundance mindset where we focus on not only improving how they look, but also how they feel and function. And so, as I was alluding to, you know, I, I just celebrated actually this week is my 11th anniversary of doing uh, online nutrition coaching. And over time, I've seen literally every single mistake you can imagine you could think of. But I think that you had asked me uh, about like the most common mistakes I see, and this is something we can both relate to. Um, I see people do a lot of things wrong. However, one of the things that causes many to spin their wheels and go nowhere fast is they try to spend the majority of their year in a dieting cycle. So they're trying to live in a deficit or they bounce between cycles of overeating and underfueling to blowouts of overeating due to being burnt out from constantly trying to live in a state of restriction. And the latter is a situation I, I like to refer to as the weekday dieter, meaning they over-restrict their calories all week long in an effort to lose weight. And as a result, they're in this underfueled state for the vast majority of the week. So this is the person Monday through Friday, they're, they're really restricting themselves. They're chronically under eating. They're making sure that they're skipping breakfast. They're utilizing long fasting periods. They're not, you know, fueling themselves after training, but then once the weekend comes along, they, they're feeling fatigued, both physically and mentally. So they decide to loosen the reins and they go out. And what ends up happening is, and we've all seen this, whether it be with clientele or it be in just people in our lives, family members, friends, peers, they end up going out on the weekends and they overeat and overindulge, which results in them erasing the deficit that they created Monday through Friday. And then as a result, they see no progress. And so the issue with this habit is it not only leads these individuals to not see any significant or tangible body composition progress, because they essentially swing from one extreme to the other. So they go from being in a massive deficit to a massive surplus, which doesn't allow them to see any body fat loss because they're not maintaining a deficit across the entirety of the week. So on the totality, they're not in a deficit, they're actually in a surplus. However, it also puts them into a state of low energy availability, which is essentially when we don't have and we don't consume enough energy to fuel all physiological functions. So realize you don't just need energy to keep the lights on. Like you need energy for hormone production, for enzyme production. You need it for uh, training performance, for recovery, for muscle growth, for muscle protein synthesis. These are all energy intensive processes. And so the main drawback of this common approach is that you spend the mass majority of your time underfueled and in this state of low energy availability, which can cause down regulations in your total daily energy expenditure and your metabolic rate. So on the weekends, when you do swing in the opposite direction, you overeat, whether that be you have cheat meals or you're having hyperplatable foods, or even you're just snacking, like you're, you're mindlessly eating, or you decide you're going out with your friends and you overconsume alcohol, you're more likely to store those extra calories as fat as your metabolism throughout the course of the week of being in a low a state of low energy availability, it's adapted downwards. So now your body has put in these energy conservation mechanisms. So when you take in an excess amount of energy in the form of junk foods or alcohol or any of these other you know splurges that people do very commonly on the weekends, your body is more likely to store those extra calories as fat. So really what this results in is you're getting what I, I refer to. And I, I had these conversations with clients and I've spoken with many people about this. I always say this is the worst of both worlds because really let's think about it. Monday through Friday, you incur the metabolic adaptations that are a result of being in an energy deficit, which include a multifold of, of def, uh, or detriments. So we're seeing when you have suffered from metabolic adaptation from underfueling yourself and being in a state of low energy availability, you decrease the amount of total calories that you burn per day. You see a decrease in your resting metabolic rate. You see a skewing of your satiety and your hunger hormones where leptin decreases. So you feel less satiated with your meals, but ghrelin increases, which is our main hunger hormone, which increases our drive to eat. And 
end, you have a decrease in your thyroid production, which reduces your ability to expend calories. But at the same time, you've done that Monday through Friday, you've put yourself in this metabolically adapted state, you've downregulated the system, but then you don't get any of the fat loss or body composition benefits because during the weekends, you've erased the deficit. You worked hard all week to over restrict yourself for, and you, you had created due to your weekend habits. And this is a pattern I've seen many, many partake in over the years. And although I think that they think that they're undoing the damage. I, like often I have these conversations and I'm like, all right, well, let's rationally think about, let's protract back and let's really reflect what you're doing and where your habits are leading you. And at first it works for them. So for instance, you know, a lot of people do this as a compensatory mechanism or a compensatory behavior. So they think they're undoing the damage their weekend splurging has done, but they're actually doing themselves more harm than good, which is why there's so many people. And these are people that we encounter, whether they be on social media or through our emails or new client consults, where they essentially report to us that year after year, they're not seeing any of the body composition progress they desire. And they feel frustrated because they feel like they're dieting most of the year and they feel like they're putting in a lot of effort, but they're still carrying more body fat and less muscle than they want. So the issue is that this type of approach to undereating during the week and then overeating and overconsuming on the weekend is something that many get away with at first. So it almost becomes, it's like with any habit. So when you do something habitually, it becomes ingrained. So it becomes a part of your lifestyle. And this is this swing from one side of the pendulum to the other that people get stuck in and many aren't aware of the negative effects it has. So I'm sure everyone out there has been in the situation where you've eaten or you're drinking too much, you know, on a weekend, or we're just getting over the holiday period. So this is the first week of January that you and I are recording this. And there's many who probably overate during the holiday season. And now they've seen their weight go up as a result. So what many do is they'll try to overcompensate for it by over restricting and under eating during the week. And then they'll see their weight come back down. But often what happens is they've restricted so much that by the time the weekend arrives again, their willpower is depleted. They're experiencing, you know, excessive hunger and a heightened drive to eat. So then they decide to treat themselves, you know, that next week. But all this does is restart the binge restrict cycle, which is not only unhealthy from a mental perspective, as it can cause you to develop a poor relationship with food, but it also has a lot of physiological consequences that very few people in our industry actually hit on. So, you you know, we talk about metabolic adaptation, but people only talk about it in the context of like this prolonged dieting state. And so when people aren't losing weight, they don't realize that they can incur metabolic adaptation. However, when you're spending the vast majority of your week in an underfueled state and in a state of low energy availability, there are so many downstream physiological effects that people don't realize because many within our space, they only hang out in metabolic adaptation, you know, in, in that area of the literature. But if you go into the effects of low energy availability, which part of this is that people can be in neutral energy balance, meaning they can be in a state of maintenance. They're maintaining their body weight, although they're fluctuating throughout the course of the week, there's still downstream cascades that are negative to someone's physiology. So for instance, if you go into the low energy availability research, you'll see that it impairs your training performance. It extends your recovery capacity, especially from high intensity training. It limits muscle growth, or it can even cause muscle loss. And this is where we see people get skinnier and smaller over time, but they're becoming a less muscular version of themselves. And over time, they're becoming a fatter version of themselves. And the reason for that is being in a state of low energy availability actually impairs muscle protein synthesis rates while increasing cortisol production. So you have less anabolism, meaning building of tissues, and more catabolism, meaning breaking down of tissues. And this also leads to negative biofeedback. So you experience excessive fatigue or lack of energy that can lower knee in and of itself. Another thing, I know that the vast majority of your audience is females. One of the main side effects of low energy availability is 
amenorrhea, which is the cessation of a menstrual cycle, which can hinder their hormone production, especially in the context of estradiol production and progesterone production. And we also see within this low energy availability state that you're seeing a lowering of your thyroid production and metabolic rate. So really when it comes down to it, I know we're going to frame out the rest of this conversation, but whenever I have, and I do an initial consultation with a client and I notice they've been engaging in this type of habit, I focus on shifting them out from this extremist approach where they spend the majority of their week with this mindset of restriction and subtraction to overindulgence, because essentially they're swinging from one end of the pendulum to the other. And what I try to do is I try to get them to work on getting back to eating at maintenance, properly fueling themselves and taking on a mindset of what I like to refer to as a mindset of abundance and addition, which I do by periodizing the approach to nutrition and taking them through goal specific phases. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that fat loss, a dieting phase is a temporary phase. It should not be something that you're living in. And the vast majority of individuals are constantly trying to restrict themselves. They're constantly trying to eliminate sources out of their, you know, we're going to go through like the elimination of carb sources, which is so prevalent in, in the general population today. And they're doing things for the short term, which are for short term gain, but they're doing, trying to do it long term and they're suffering ramifications as a result. There is so much that you said that I really want to touch on. And it's not just becoming a part of your lifestyle in a negative way because you're repeating these negative habits, but it's becoming part of your identity. And then that starts the whole self-sabotaging cycle, which is where I find so many people. And if you don't believe you can achieve something, you're not going to put in your full effort and you're going to keep putting in the same, oh, I just want to get this over quicker. Why would I want to commit to this long-term approach if I know I'm going to fall off anyway? And then where you said with the, this is where you see the skinny fat look, this is mm -hmm. where you see a lot more body fat accumulating around your belly because that is where it goes. I'm going to let you touch on that later on as well. So mental note that one down. But when you're restricting mentally, even if you aren't seeing the results, you're looking worse, you're getting bloating, digestive issues, you feel fatter because of how your belly now feels. You feel more out of control. And the mindset around this makes you want to do more, restrict more, more fearful of what you need to do. So your deficit isn't a deficit anymore. And you're just burning out your metabolism if you think it. Think of it like a car. Your foot on the pedal, the car's in neutral, or you're just driving around the block, using up the miles, using up the fuel, but you're not really getting anywhere closer to your destination. And then Absolutely. you mentioned... This is going to be leading into the physique and the performance, but people are so unaware of what the physique requires, what their goal physique requires. The best physique, where you mentioned the comp prep people as well. I wrote a status yesterday and it was having stage as your goal is not a health goal. There is nothing healthy about getting on stage. There is no healthy way to do it. You can see the biomarkers of people that get on stage. There is nothing healthy about that, which is why it is so important to do a recovery diet after stage. And then there was the whole living in the deficit, yo-yoing, the restricting, the overeating. When you're not fueling and thinking, and when you're only thinking about leaning up, losing weight, fat loss, versus fueling performance, fueling your metabolism, which is what I'm all about in my coaching right now, because that is what actually gets you to build the body that you love for life. Because this performance thing is something that has longevity, because if you're only focusing on fat loss as the only measure of progress, what's next? Because you can't just fat loss your whole way there, regardless of how much body weight you have to lose. It is psychologically taxing, not just physically taxing. And now I guess we can talk about 
how over-restricting then leads to performance dropping, which takes you further away. But what exactly is the importance of fueling for performance and going back to fat loss being the only measure of progress, how that in comparison to, okay, how can we shift this to now performance, make them see the importance of this new focus and finding fulfillment in that, because otherwise you just get that belly that just does not feel right. And you're doing all the things. Yeah, so I think we had spoken about this, you and I, we touched on this off air, but a lot of people think, and they're under this impression, this is honestly, it's not their fault. You only know what you know. However, what really has happened within our, our industry is the dieting, diet culture essentially has pushed us in a way where everyone thinks that they're going to diet their way to their dream physique. And I want to make a caveat, if you are an extremely muscular individual, so Ruby, I've spoken to you about this. When I first started my first contest prep, I was over 250 pounds, I was about 260 pounds. And Yes, I lost a significant amount of body weight. I lost 50 to 60 pounds during my first contest prep to get into stage condition. So yes, the weight I got to my dream physique or my goal physique was losing body fat. But the thing was that I had 10 plus years in the gym of training hard, being in a surplus or at least at maintenance prior to ever doing an, a very aggressive contest prep diet. Here's the thing. A lot of people have not put in the you know, the foundation, they have not put in enough time to actually build their physique. And what everyone out there has to realize is that you're not going to sculpt um, a great physique out of a pebble. So if you don't have a foundation of muscle, you're just going to become a smaller, lighter, skinnier version of yourself. And you're not going to like what you look like in the mirror. And then what ends up happening is a lot of times people will be discouraged. And I've seen this so many times where someone will come to me and I'll go through, they'll hire me for a consultation or whatever it may be. And they'll show me consecutive cycles of their dieting you know, history essentially. So where they started their first diet at, where they ended that first diet at and so on and so forth. And we're going through consecutive dieting cycles. And every time they get to the same level of leanness, so they're around the same body fat, but they actually have less muscle mass on their frame. But what ends up happening is, and this is something you and I spoke about, which was the body fat overshooting effect. We spoke about that in the second podcast that we ever did together. And the issue is that a lot of people get discouraged once they get to their goal Goal weight. Everyone, you know, many females have this goal weight in their mind, which is an arbitrary number, to be honest with you. It does not matter what you weigh. You, the scale weight is the Earth's gravitational pull on your body on, on a, you know, a man-made metric. It is not your worth. It is not the value of your physique. It is not the main metric of tracking progress. It, honestly, it's just a good indication of your status of energy balance. So if it's going down over time, especially over the course of comparing one phase of the menstrual cycle to another for a female, that is a good indication that you are in a state of negative energy balance, aka a calorie deficit. However, a lot of people don't realize that Oftentimes, what ends up happening is they get into these extreme cycles when trying to improve their body composition, and they're actually going through body decomposition, meaning they're actually making regression. So what ends up happening is they go from a state where they feel overfat or they have excess adiposity. They diet down. They realize that they're just a skinnier, smaller version of themselves. Yes, they've lost body fat, but they don't have any muscle on their frame. And then they get frustrated and they overeat. So then they go through the rebound effect and go right back to the same body weight that they were, but they didn't regain any lean body mass because they didn't do it. They didn't go back to maintenance or they didn't do it in a strategic manner. They didn't fuel themselves for performance. They didn't focus on the fact that your body, you know, training is a stimulus, but you know, you really have to fuel that performance to get gains out of that. And so, you know, I see a lot of people making mistakes in terms of constantly trying to restrict themselves and they don't, you know, essentially one of the biggest mistakes that I see within this, and, and we're talking about fueling performance and, and mistakes people make. And the number one, honestly, is a fear of carbs or fear of fueling for performance. And I find that a lot of women who contact me, you know, will 
end up looking at nutrition only as a means of restricting calories and losing weight. And they forget about the fact that nutrition is also, it is a way, it's an ideology of how you approach, you know, diet in general. And it's not just a means to an end in terms of weight loss. So often what they'll do is they'll restrict themselves over, they'll over restrict themselves calorically, or they'll avoid, avoid carbs as they have these associations. And one of the biggest associations that I see is that they associate eating carbs with gaining weight rather than as a means of fueling performance and higher energy output. So I think many associate the quick decrease in scale weight that comes from cutting out carbs with fat loss, when that's actually just a loss of water. However, on the same hand, many don't realize that when they go back to maintenance and they start properly fueling themselves with carbs again, the increase in scale weight that they see is in fat gain, but it's actually due to restoration and muscle glycogen stores, where are, which are actually a component of your lean body mass. So if you were to get a DEXA and you were to re restore your carb, you went from a carb depleted state to a carb replenished state, you would actually see an increase in your lean body mass. So you would have more muscle on your frame. And this is because for every gram of carbohydrate stored in our muscles, as muscle glycogen, it needs to pull three to four grams of water along with it to be properly stored. So say I increase a client's you know carbohydrate intake by 100 grams, it may increase their their scale weight by actually 500 grams, which is a little bit over uh, one pound. And that's that could happen within a day. But that's because there's 100 grams of carbs being stored as muscle glycogen and 400 grams of water that's associated with that storage. And many have seen this happen in the past, and it's caused them to go right back to that restriction mindset. They go from one day of fueling themselves again, getting back to maintenance, and they go right back to the low carbohydrate diet, because in their mind, they saw that scale weight go up, and they think that they've gained fat overnight. But this is where I've really found it beneficial to have conversations with clients to explain these things, go through the mechanisms, and really... To, to make them realize that it's completely normal to see this increase in scale weight, because if we think about it logically, it would be impossible to gain a pound of fat in one day if we only increase your calorie intake by 100 grams of carbs, which is only 400 calories, especially if you've been in a deficit prior to me making that adjustment. And for those who are avoiding carbs for fear of weight gain, I think it's really important to realize that carbs are one of the most important macronutrients for those who resist and train and who have the goal of building muscle and improving their body composition. And so we really got to focus on looking at these nutrients, not as these uh, things that we need to avoid, but really how are these going to contribute to our goals in terms of our body composition? How are these going to fuel our performance? Because performance is what's going to lead to better improvements in our body composition. So what we have to realize and I want to explain this for your audience because I know that this is something that's susceptible all around the world. Carbs are demonized. It doesn't matter if it's in the States or it's, you know, the opposite side of the world like you are in. And so carbs play an extremely important role in many processes related to training performance, fueling performance, muscle growth, and hormone health. And what you have to realize is that training is a stimulus for building muscle and improving your body composition. How, however, in order to maximize your ability to transform your body composition, you need to maximize your training performance, which necessitates that your diet fuels your performance and facilitates recovery from that training. So your diet needs to complement and be paired to your training, and it needs to help you maximize your performance in the gym, but it also needs to help support recovery and repair and facilitate muscle growth. So if you don't have the proper fuel, you can't maximize your performance. But the downstream effect of that is if you can't maximize your performance, you can't maximize your body composition outcomes and your progress. And this is where proper fueling and carbohydrate availability comes into the equation. Because when you're engaged in higher intensity forms of exercise, like resistance training, like many of these women are doing, it relies off of carbohydrate metabolism. So they're actually doing the exact opposite in terms of their nutritional approach than they should be based on the activity that they're doing and the goals that they have. So what many out there need to realize is that carbs are your preferred 
fuel source for both our muscles and our nervous system. As muscle glycogen is the primary fuel source for muscular contractions, whereas blood glucose is the primary fuel source for the nervous system. So we need carbs to maximize our muscular and our nervous system performance, which is why we want to make sure that we're looking at nutrition outside of the context of dieting or even in the context of dieting, we have to look at nutrition and, and fueling for the work required. So if you're gonna train intensely, if you're gonna really push yourself to better your body composition, you need to make sure that you have adequate carbohydrate availability going into workout to maximize your performance. And then we have to look at the downstream effects. A, a lot of people look at macronutrients or food sources in isolation. They only look at the energy content of them. So they, they look at carbs, four calories per gram. They look at fats, nine calories per gram. And a lot of people in this industry, it's just about mac it's just about macros. They look at the nutrition as the X's and O's, the calories and macros, but they don't really look at the physiological benefits of these nutrients, of these food sources, of the whole food matrix. And we have to realize that it's not just about calories. Yes, from an energy balance perspective, it is. But when we look at the different nutrients, like protein is a structural uh, macronutrient. It's going to help with rebuilding and really setting a foundation and helping with muscle protein synthesis. But carbs aren't just for energy and performance. They play a large role in modulating our hormones. So really when it comes down to it, we have to realize that fueling yourself with an adequate and sufficient amount of carbs helps to trigger a lot of anti-catabolic and anabolic processes needed to build and maintain muscle. And this is because carbs cause the release of insulin, which I know is like the boogeyman to everyone out there that's on a low carb diet. But really hear me out on this. When we look at the mechanisms and the benefits of actually increasing insulin, this is gonna lower muscle protein breakdown and catabolism and lowers the likelihood of you losing muscle as you're providing your body with a readily available fuel source. So your body now doesn't have to tap into muscle like it has been previously when you're in this energy depleted and low carbohydrate availability state. And so it's also going to help with repair, you know, muscle damage after a workout. Carbs also help with modulating your cortisol levels, which is helpful from a body composition perspective and for your hormones as well. So what carbohydrates can do due to that release in insulin is it can help reduce cortisol elevations. And this is especially important for those that are stressed or, you know, those that, you know, really train hard because having us be able to counter that increase in cortisol production helps with the recovery process. It helps it start sooner. And it also helps from a body composition perspective and a stress management and hormone perspective. And so the other downstream effect, and this is something I want to hit on because this is probably the most common hormonal issue that I encounter with women is thyroid hormone or, or thyroid health. And so carbohydrates play an essential role in thyroid health, thyroid production, and thyroid conversion, which is especially helpful for women as women are a much higher likelihood of dealing with thyroid issues from being in a state of low carbohydrate availability. And also often they have higher baseline cortisol levels and they have tons of stress to deal with. So they are the matriarch of their family. They are dealing with kids and running a household and, and being a busy executive. I, I can't tell you how many, you know, like wonder women I work with that I had the most immense amount of respect for, but it's like, we need to use nutrition, supplementation, training, lifestyle modification to really maximize your ability to, to have proper hormone health, proper hormone production, but also maximize every single thing that you're doing. And the issue with this state of chronic stress is that it results in these higher levels of cortisol and cortisol ends up hindering the conversion of T4 to metabolically active T3, which is the form of thyroid, which runs our metabolic rate and influences our ability to burn calories. So by increasing our carb intake, we can help to lower cortisol and improve thyroid health. And then a downstream of this, and this is something you've asked me about, you know, multiple times uh, in the past is the whole uh, concept of low energy availability and energy deficiency. And if we actually look into literature on REDS, so relative energy deficiency syndrome, we see that women are at a much higher risk of developing relative energy deficiency. And one of the main contributing factors to that is low energy availability. But we also see within the literature that this can specifically be tied to what's called low carbohydrate availability, which is when you don't consume 
enough carbohydrates compared to the requirements for your body composition, your physical activity, and your training levels or exercise levels. So fueling yourself appropriately and having adequate carbohydrate availability, adequate nutrients is, a, is important as being in a state of low carbohydrate availability can cause decreased thyroid production. It can decrease leptin production, which is one of our main satiety hormones. It also influences energy expenditure. So you're down-regulating everything in the system and can have a negative effect on iron absorption and bone health, which is something many women already struggle with due to losing blood on a monthly you know, basis due to their menstrual cycle, but also having lower rates of bone mineral density as compared to men. So when we look at this from, from all aspects, whether we look at it from a body composition perspective, from a health perspective, from a reproductive perspective, like reproductive hormone, or even just maintenance of your menstrual cycle, bone mineral density, things that you're going to, regardless of what age group you're in. So this can apply to the young woman that's in her twenties or the woman that's perimenopause or postmenopause, and she's worrying about her bone mineral density. So what I really want to really get across to women is that we need to fuel for the work required. And that is a concept where we're pairing our nutrition to match our training. And we're making sure that we're maximizing our ability to go into sessions well-fueled, both in terms of being able to push our performance, but then also to recover and replenish what you've broken down in the workout. Because I encounter so many women that will think about the restriction mindset. So they try to go into a session, a workout session fasted because they think they're going to burn more fat, which honestly, we don't see that in the literature. So you actually uh, blunt your ability to burn fat post-workout by skipping um, or by going into training fasted, but also they will go extend periods of time fasting to try to restrict their calorie intake as much as possible, not realizing that it's only turning down their metabolic rate, their ability to burn calories, their protein synthetic uh, uh, protein synthesis rates, things of that sort. And they're actually doing more harm than good. And so then that's why they're in this fatigue state where they're they're slouching on the couch the rest of the day. Their needs really low. They're not burning as many calories as they think they are. And they're also dealing with hormone issues. They're dealing with poor biofeedback, poor sleep, you know, high stress levels. These are all unmanaged issues because they're not fueling themselves appropriately. And they think that they're doing themselves a, a service because they only think calorie deficit. But we really have to look at nutrition as a way to fuel the body and when you feel yourself, when you give your body what it needs, it'll give you the physique you want. I love that last part. If you fuel your body for what it needs, it will give you the physique that you want. I'm marking that one down because that is perfect. <laughs> and that, like, not only is cortisol going to impact your thyroid, but cortisol and muscle protein synthesis do not go together. Cortisol and fat burning do not go together where it moves us into more of that stress state where we're burning through more glucose and cycling that around, which is where I guess that's where you get those energy slumps because now our body's been tapping into these glucose stores for us to do whatever the hell we need to do in the day. Then as soon as we slow down, we feel like shit. And this is also why people who are living in the stress state go overseas or whatever and they finally get to relax and then all of a sudden they get really sick because now their immune system is finally turning on. They're not in this threat situation. And I get it so many times with my girls as well. They're, they're like, I'm on holidays and bummer, I'm sick. I'm like, well, you're finally relaxing for the first time in your life. Now your immune system is on. Whereas before it wasn't meant to do what it's meant to do. So there's that. But they, there was something you said and it triggered, you saw me get like light up, but people only look at food and macros and calories and carbs as like if you tell someone to eat more carbs, they, they, just, they just see it as more carbs, more calories. People only look at the input. And then I get asked all the time, how do I build up my clients' calories up to mm -hmm. 2,000, up to 2,300? Because I can do that with, the, with my women that are actually following and trusting the protocol. But it's not just about the input of calories, the input of food. People do not think about the output. 
And the output is not just training. In fact, doing more training is more detrimental if it then leads to you being fatigued, your training intensity going down because you're not able to give your best every session. My best sessions are when I'm training four times, not six times. Because if I'm training six times, I'm not able mentally or physically to give my absolute best in those four days. And that is something that gets left out. And then if people smash themselves and they don't feel burnt out enough in their session, they add these things on, then they go home and they're doing less, they're moving less without even realizing. You might even get your step count close to usual, but the rest of the day, your body's like this instead of like this. You're talking to people like this instead of like this. Like I take my watch off a lot of the time when I do a lot of hand moving things because I know that I'm very like verbal with my hands. But I took my aura ring off for this this interview because I knew I was going to be talking with my hands. So I'm right there with you. It's like, it's just the way that we are when we are well-fueled, well-fed. And it's, yes, I, I get so many clients that are just like, I feel fine when I'm training. Yeah, I did too. But the more effort that you can put into the very thing, that is what builds the physique. Dieting doesn't build shit. You can't out diet a lack of training. That just turns you into a shriveled up piece of a raisin, let's say a raisin. And it's impossible to feel amazing when you're mentally restricting too, because you might not see the results that you want. You might even feel worse because you're even, you're body checking more, you're getting more body conscious, but you don't have to be on 1200 calories, 1500 calories, restricting food in its physical sense to be restricting. Restricting is a mental thing as well. And 100%. no matter how much you try to force the peg hole in the slot, that slot isn't meant for what you're meant to be doing now. And then this leads into how we approach our building phase, AKA people thinking that mini bolts happen or people think that six months of building is enough or six months of building up, especially if you're building on a foundation that hasn't yet been set because you're coming mm -hmm. from a layoff or you're just starting out because it's the new year or it's, I just want to start this new thing and try this new approach. There, You need to build up that volume capacity. I was saying this to a couple of clients in the last check-ins. It's like, if you look at my training volume now versus then, it's like, you'll see me go in. I'm repping 105 kilos on the RDL versus back then it was more like just the bar or 20 kilos or 30 kilos. It's like the absolute amount of volume I did then is pales in comparison to the volume that I do now. And it's hard to find someone who is doing such a training capacity that isn't showing that physique that you want because muscle moves weight and muscle is what gives you that shape that you want. So if you can move that weight, you can build that muscle and it eventually leads to the body that you want. But I want to come around to this whole myth of mini bulking and I guess how muscle building takes four times as long as a fat loss process. But it's not, you can't just even say four times because for some people it might be 10 times. How about the age? How's your training intensity? How's your mindset to training? Are you fueling your performance? How often are you giving 100%? How often are you slacking off because you don't see the results that you want? So now you're going to change the approach. Are you doing random workouts? How's your food quality? Like there are so many different things that come into this performance-based mindset that people don't even have yet because Anything that doesn't have a diet attached to it is just a waiting room. Let's talk about that. 
Okay, so before before I answer that, I do you you hit on so many good things that I do want to expand a little bit upon um, in terms of a lot of people have this this false narrative in their head or this belief that more is more. And I really want to get this across to your audience. More can be more in certain instances, in certain instances. However, more can also hurt more. So for some instance, for some individuals, they think I'm going to do more training volume. So you were speaking about volume, but I think what you really are, are alluding to, because I know you, is you're talking about volume load. So you're now able to lift more load for more reps. So in totality across the, the session, you're not doing, you know, three times as many sets as you were years ago. You're probably doing less sets, but you have more productive sets. So it's not about doing more. It is about Better is better. So really what I try to get across to my females is that, and clients in general, is that we are not looking to do the maximum, you know, amount of work that we can do. We're trying to do the most effective amount of, get the most effective stimulus possible and also maximizing the quality of our sessions in terms of the stimulus we're providing ourselves with. It could be four, I could take someone from six days a week to four days per week. So I actually just uh, posted this, we're recording this on one three on, on New Year's day. So one, one, I posted a transformation. You actually had commented on this of a client of mine, Alina. She's 52 years old and she came to me in a, a very um, disadvantageous state to say the least. So she had been through very many dieting cycles. She had spent the last two years pretty much in a dieting phase. She had lost a significant amount of weight. However, she had stayed in this suppressed state. You know, So metabolically, she was suppressed. Mentally, she was restricted. And she was down to 1,300 calories. And this is a, a high-level executive. She is extremely meticulous. I knew off the first call that she, she wasn't misreporting. So we do have that that commonality where a lot of people do misreport this woman had spreadsheets of every single thing she had done from workouts to her diets to every single thing she had done over the last couple of years so i knew that she was very accurate she is the head of a, a massive company she's head of operations so she is someone that is very clued in and very dialed in very type a personality she came to me eating 1300 calories and this is gonna you, you'll see how this transfers into what we're gonna speak about ruby but she was doing 66 sets per week on legs she was spending two plus hours every day, six days per week in the gym. She was doing 45 minutes of cardio upon waking, doing another cardio session at night and eating 1300 calories. And now I had to take her from this state of this mindset of restriction, this state of doing overdoing things, not, you know, overdoing the training volume. She was having to use very short rest intervals just to get in her training session. So it was 60 seconds or less. It was more of a circuit uh, style workout just to be able to compress that amount of volume. Every one of her sessions was 30 plus sets each. So you can imagine that when a woman has 90 to 120 minutes to train, it has to be pretty quick that she's moving in and out. So it wasn't about quality, although she was in her mind, she was training really hard, but it wasn't quality per set. It was more of the quantity of stimulus rather than the quality of the stimulus. And so she was doing all this. And I told her, listen, Elena, where you're at, it's not only unsustainable, you're white knuckling your way through every single week, but also for the longevity of what you want. You wanted a, a more muscular and leaner physique because she had regained a percentage of the weight that she had lost. And so I said, there is no way to go. You were excessively, you know, you're 15 to 20,000 steps. You're doing 60 plus minutes of cardio per day. You're training 30 plus sets per day. There's no other room for us to go. So we need to pull back in terms of the amount of work you're doing and focus on the quality of work you're doing. So I, I reduced her to five days per week. I took down her training volume by about a third on each of uh, body parts, except legs that I actually cut in more than half because 66 
sets up her legs. We needed to just focus on the quality of the stimulus because she was having knee issues, back issues, things of that sort. And so I really focused on not only that from a training perspective, but then I also coupled that with greater fueling. So initially what I did was I, I knew that it was going to be hard to get her to work up calories because she had been in this mindset of restriction. So the first thing I did was focus on peri-workout nutrition. So I really saw, you know, she was someone that trained early in the morning, used to train fasted. So the first thing I did was add in a pre-workout meal. I said, listen, I want you to think about your fueling for the work required. You're fueling your body to get better uh, performance out of it. So when she, we initially just went pre and post-workout nutrition, that's what I implemented first. So I got her another three or 400 calories off the bat. At the end of this phase, we went 16 weeks within what I, I refer to as a primer phase, which our initial podcast that we did a couple years ago, the first podcast we ever did was on primary phases. And I specifically spoke about the physical and mental benefits that I utilize primary phases for with my women that come to me with a history of chronic dieting or those who want to get into a dieting phase, but they're just not ready for it. So in the latest perspective, I was trying to utilize a primer phase for metabolic restoration and resilience to really rebuild not only her, her metabolism, but her body in, in totality. And so from the beginning to the end of this phase, she went from 1300 calories. She was eating about 130 grams of carbohydrates per day. At the end of this phase, so this last week, when we finished up the phase, she was eating 2,500 calories on training days, 2,355 calories on off days, and she was eating 285 plus grams of carbs per day. So more than doubled her carbohydrate intake. Now hear me out on this. She lost 14 pounds in the process. You can look at the before and afters. You can see that this woman recomp substantially because she had put she had bought into the process and realized that more is not more if more is of a lower quality threshold. So if you're doing, you know, um, you're, you know, um, essentially your output is at a three, but you're doing a hundred units of that. If I take that down to a fifth, you know, 50 units of that, but you're working at an output of 10. Now we're at 500 rather than at 300. So you have to realize that there's a massive discrepancy between just the quantity, the sheer quantity of work and the quality of work. And that's really where it comes down to realizing that nutrition is meant to be periodized and phasic. We should be looking at spending more time out of a deficit than we do within a deficit. And I think what a lot of people fail to incorporate within the context of nutrition is periodization. So if we think about the concept of periodization, many think about that when it comes to their training, but they neglect to apply nutritional periodization to their diet. So one aspect, if we think about training periodization that's heavily discussed in the fitness industry is the fitness fatigue model, which is why many of us coaches utilize fatigue management strategies like deloads with our clients. But this is also something that we can do and look at from a nutritional perspective in terms of one's dietary adherence to the deficit in comparison to their level of dietary fatigue. So really when it comes down to it, what I found within nutrition is I found it effective to take a similar approach to periodization that I would in terms of training. So in terms of analyzing the diet fatigue a client has come to me with, and if they have a history of chronic dieting and it's negatively impacting their biofeedback, their training performance, and their body composition, I look to transition them out of a deficit and periodize their nutrition in a manner that complements the training program I've created for them so that they're sufficiently fueled and we're able to improve upon the anchors and bottlenecks that are holding them back from making progress. And so this is a concept I really want to get across to people because, you know, when it comes to nutritional periodization, it's really important, especially if you have the goal of fat loss, because fat loss is not a linear process, meaning you won't see the same fat loss rate of fat loss uh, or body fat loss week in and week out. Yet many still take this linear approach to dieting for fat loss, where they just keep cutting calories week on and week out, even when they're not seeing results anymore, even when they have poor biofeedback and they they just continue to keep their foot on the gas all year long. 
And they think that that's the best way to achieve their goals. But the fact is that you cannot stay in an energy deficit year round and expect to see continual results, not only in terms of fat loss, but you're also going to gain no muscle if you stay in a deficit year round. And this is because taking an approach which has you chronically dieting year round is eventually going to lead to a situation where you've increased your likelihood of muscle loss rather than muscle gain. So forget the fact that you wanted a more muscular physique, you're actually losing muscle in this process. And you've also experienced the negative metabolic adaptations your body goes through during a diet, which includes decreasing your calorie expenditure, lowering your thyroid levels, and ramping up your hunger, among many other effects that make the process ineffective, unsustainable, and unhealthy. And this is why I try to take a more strategically periodized and phasic approach with my clients. And I found that utilizing nutritional periodization during a fat loss phase to be a more effective way in the process of dropping body fat. And this, this method ensures you have periods of being in a deficit where fat loss is your main goal, periods of being at maintenance, which could even be during the fat loss phase. Like I, I often will transition clients to a maintenance phase or a maintenance period, like a multi-day refeed or diet break to maintain the fat loss they've achieved while also helping to aid in the recovery and lowering their systemic and dietary fatigue. But also I want periods, and, and this is something I want all the women out there to hear me out. There are periods periods where you need to eat in a slight, slight surplus. So that could be during a recovery diet or a reverse phase, or it could be during a building phase where really the goal, and this is something I work very closely with my female clients on, my goal is to increase their calorie intake and to try to keep them out of a deficit for a prolonged period of time. And taking this type of periodized approach to a fallows phase will not only make a cut more manageable, but will make the process more effective, especially when it comes to managing your training performance, limiting the amount of chronic stress and dietary fatigue you induce on the body and mind, and getting to your goal in the most sustainable way possible. And this is where we, we go into the, the area of let's, let's compare and contrast what you should be doing cutting-wise and you should be doing building-wise. So I really think that taking a periodized approach to your physique development is something that many would benefit from because what you have to realize is that gaining more muscle is a much slower and time intensive process than fat loss is. And this is why I encourage everyone out there to spend more time at maintenance or in a slight surplus, focus on building muscle than you do in a deficit, which is the main mistake many are making. They actually have this flip-flopped. They want to improve their body composition by building muscle and losing body fat, but they spend the vast majority of the year in a deficit. Whereas in reality, it should be the exact opposite. And so personally, from a coaching perspective, I found that the best ratio for clients to be at is to spend four times as much time building as they do cutting. And the least that I like to utilize with my clients is a three to one ratio. And this is for those that are, are pretty impatient, meaning that if I have a client who builds muscle very effectively, and also they have certain time constraints, we may do a six month lean building phase. And then I would transition them with a two month long dieting phase, but it isn't, most people are doing the exact opposite. They're doing six months of dieting, two months of building. And it's like, you guys have this flip flop. And so we have to realize is that our body response best to what we do consistently. So in order to build a significant amount of lean mass, we need to pair a progressive training stimulus with proper fueling, adequate protein intake, and sufficient energy availability. And the mistake many make is that they say that they wanna gain more muscle, but they aren't realistic in terms of how long it takes to build a significant amount of muscle tissue. And they don't realize how much patience they'll need to build an impressive physique that they're proud of. So what I find is that I have so many new clients who come to me and they're frustrated with their prior lack of progress. But when I look over what they've been doing previously, one of the main mistakes I see are them cycling between, you know, periods of under eating and then, you know, periods of overeating. And, and we can extrapolate this out. This is something we, you and I spoke about off air. This is the, the cycle between mini bulks and mini cuts, which leaves them looking the same and spinning the wheels. And what often happens 
is that people will enter a quote unquote bulk phase, which I hate that that term. I, I always phrase this as a lean build because a bulk is just really an excuse to overeat calories. But what ends up happening is with these people that do take this quote unquote bulk phase is they don't have a structured plan in place. So they end up in a massive surplus and they quickly gain body fat. And then what ends up happening is they're unhappy with this quick accumulation of body fat. So they jump to the opposite side of the energy balance continuum and try to slash calories to create a massive deficit which is why it's important for these individuals to stop flip-flopping between goals and to focus more time building than cutting. Because if we look at the rates of fat loss versus muscle gain, the weekly rates of loss are far different. So for instance, for fat loss, and I'll tell you from my own perspective, this is also reinforced by literature, but the rates of loss that I utilize with my clients within a fat loss phase are a target weekly body weight rate of loss between 0.25 to 1% of body weight loss per week. But during building phases, I don't have them exceed a rate of gain of 0.25% per week unless they're a newer trainee. So think about the, the time course of that. If we can util, easily lose 1% of body weight per week during a fat loss phase, but we most of us aren't going to gain more than 0.25% of our body weight in muscle per week, we should at least be spending four times the amount of time building than we are cutting. Yeah, and I know we're wrapping up, but that's the most important part there as well. It's that none of these numbers are like written in the Bible for every single person because everyone starts at a different place. And a lot of people that Brandon is talking about are people that have already had a backlog of training before studying and like six months of building, for example, is going to show a lot more results mm -hmm. for someone who's pedantic with every single precise little factor and who has done the backlog before it, not just starting again, not just starting for the first time either, because like we said, you still have to build up that training load, that training capacity. And I did that whole mini bulk, mini cut thing. And I didn't realize until I looked back two, three years later and realized that when I actually had the time where I had the ability to put in a lot more effort before the business was my biggest priority, I wasted all that dieting and wasting time where I could have been building. And again, with the whole like, you still want to make sure that they come out of a diet. This potentiates fat loss, no matter if you don't feel like you've earned it or you're lean enough or you still have more weight to lose. And especially as you get older, like as you get older, the rate of muscle gain is even slower. So you need to be able to be a lot more focused and strategic with your approach as you get older, because a 45 year old or so on 45 plus compared to a 20, 30 year old, there is a difference in the way the body does its systems. But yeah, I guess maybe this can lead into when we do another episode, we can talk more about how optimizing your metabolism by dieting less and focusing more on building outside of that is how you build that lean physique and keep it year round. So I know we have to, uh, we have a couple more topics that we, we wanted to hit on, which we will, I, I promise uh, Ruby, as well as our audience, we will get back. We had a couple other um, topics related to maintenance, but I also want to really get across the fact that a lot of times when I speak to people and, and especially female audiences, they think they have this uh, relation or association between building phases and fat gain. And the thing is, a lot of these individuals have been so underfueled, so chronically underfueled, they're not only in an energy deficit, but they're also in a nutrient deficit. So they are suffering from relative energy deficiency and nutrient deficiencies. That if you're just to give, like I, I had alluded to earlier, and I said this, when you give your body what it needs, it'll give you what it wants. And what you want is muscle gain. What you want is a better physique. What you want to do is feel and function better. And if you're able to properly feel yourself, even if you just go back to maintenance, 
maintenance, many people can gain muscle, you know, or regain muscle, just getting back to maintenance and then going into a slight surplus where they're maximizing their ability to accrue lean tissue, which is metabolically active tissue, which is going to upregulate your system. We're going to see the thermic effect of feeding go up. We're going to see your exercise activity thermogenesis, so the amount of calories you burn during exercise. We're going to see your neat levels go up because you finally have life restored and given back to you. You're going to be able to move more and eat more. You're going to be able to increase your metabolic rate, which has been suppressed for years. There are so many benefits of getting back to maintenance or, or into a slight surplus, um, both from a body composition, a lifestyle perspective, a biofeedback perspective, how you feel, how you function, how you look, that a lot of people don't realize that. And what it really requires is realizing that if your fear of going to a building phase is to gain fat, it's because the methods that you've taken previously were suboptimal first and foremost, but also because you weren't patient enough in the process. And that's really what I'm trying to get. I was trying to, uh, uh, you know, essentially allude to before is that a lot of people will try to rush the muscle gain process. They're going to try to gain muscle as quickly as they would lose fat. So if they're used to dieting for 12 week fat loss phases, they say, oh, I'm going to just do a three month build. And, and that should be sufficient. And it's not. If you don't want to gain excess adipose tissue, you need to put yourself in a state of calorie efficiency or, or calorie sufficiency, but not so much that you're eating in excess where you're storing excess adipose tissue because you cannot force feed muscle gain. The training is the stimulus to increase your muscle mass. Nutrition is permissive of that process. It helps with that process. It's going to help with facilitating better fueling, better performance, which is going to allow you to progressively overload your training and progress that training stimulus so you build a better body over time. But it is a slow process. So really what you guys have to really consider, and I think when we go back to like older females or, or older demographics, a lot of times I speak to them, I'm like, listen, are you trying to build your body to go to the beach this summer? Or are you trying to do it to be here for your kids, to be here for your grand, your future grandchildren, to have better bone mineral density once we get into uh, menopause? Because I'll tell you personally, I work with a ton of women in perimenopause. And a lot of things that I'm speaking to them about are reinforcing bone mineral density, being able to offset the, the natural deleterious effects of menopause. And what a lot of people don't realize is like, you know, for men, I know I work with so many women at this point that it's a, a common conversation for me to speak about menopause and perimenopause. But for a lot of men, it's like out of sight, out of mind, because in their mind, all we do is we, we uh, we're born, we pay taxes and we die with women. It's they're born. They go through menopause, regardless of who you are, you pay taxes and you die. So this is a process that we have to be very aware of. And we have to realize that being patient, you have to think about instead of this short-term thing as like when you're 20 years old and you just think about, I just want to get shredded for the summer. It's like, let me think about muscle as a metabolic bank account that I'm investing into, not only to look better, but to feel better, to have better longevity, better function, to be able to play with my kids, go to the park, you know, be here for my grandchildren, to, to have longevity in all aspects and really be the best version of myself. And, and that's where I try to take on this. And I really try to instill this, especially in the women that I work with, is the mindset of abundance and addition rather than restriction and subtraction. So instead of just thinking about pulling away calories, over restricting yourself, doing excessive cardio to try to burn as much calories as possible, let's think about adding things to your life, increasing protein intake, having better training sessions, building muscle mass, having more confidence in your body image, your strength, being a stronger woman and becoming a stronger, leaner, more muscular version of yourself rather than a skinnier, smaller, weaker version of yourself. I absolutely love that. So with that, that brings this episode to an end. I know Brandon needs to buzz. So we're going to get another episode together for you guys. And you're going to hear all those amazing things that Brandon said at the end. I'm going to put his Instagram below. It's Brandon the Cruise underscore. And anything else, I think you'll find everything else in your bio on there as well. But I'll put it through so you can click through, see that. And 
Yeah. One last thing. If you guys are fans of podcasts, please check out my podcast. It's called the Chasing Clarity Health and Fitness Podcast. I try to put out an educational content every single week and deliver on a lot of these topics and go really in depth. So I would love you guys to check out the show and uh, provide me any feedback you have. And as always, Ruby, thank you so much for having me on, for working with my schedule. I know I'm a, a hard person to reach, but I look forward to part two. Looking forward to this all. Thank you guys. And if you like this, don't forget to give it a five star rating. I don't do ads for this very reason that I just like bringing the best information and the best people on that I can to you that I trust with everything that I have to provide you the goods. So thank you for listening and I love you all. <laughs>